Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Courtney Palm, and you're listening to geeksoftheindustry.com. Enjoy, relax, smoke a bowl if you want or not. It's up to you. Now, normally on sneak previews, Roger and I review new movies. This week, however, we're going to be looking at a group of recent films that have some very ugly things in common. All of these films are thrillers featuring extreme violence directed at young women. Uh, I'm a prostitute, and I ain't happy with how I make my living uh, on my lack of education. To put it bluntly, what you see in most of these films is a lot of teenage girls being raped or stabbed to death, usually both. What do you want? Your blood all over me. This is a depressing development in American movies, and on this show, we'll examine the nature of this trend and then speculate on why we're getting so many of these films and getting them now. He was raised in isolation. You're a bad boy. Instructed in fear. You're evil and you must be punished. A lot of moviegoers, adults and teenagers, both go to see these R-rated films and they assume, well, they're just going to see a bunch of routine, scary pictures. But oftentimes, they're really shocked how awful these films are. Now. As you check out the swirling colors, notice how your heads become more and more mellow. Each word I say will take you farther and farther into a radical hypno-high. Heavier, smoother than any trip you've ever had. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and following the success of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it seemed only a matter of time until a similarly toned film would be released. The writing team of Robert and Stephen Charles Jaffe wrote a script meant to be directed by Massacre director Toby Hooper. But when Hooper was unable to helm the project, director for hire Kevin Connor was brought on, changing the direction of the picture completely. And on October 18, 1980, Motel Hell was released, giving audiences a horrifically funny slice of Americana with no preservatives.
again. Spend a night away from home. After you spend a night with Ida and Vincent. Ida will show you the way. You want us to uh, register? No, that won't be necessary. Terrifying nightmare could never prepare you for what happens to the guest. Hey Vincent, you think in the years to come people will appreciate us for what we're doing here? I have a surprise for you. Oh, goody, I love surprises. One after another they come. This week on the show, we are finally saying goodbye to the theme of women in danger. And it's funny that I say finally, because it's literally been the span of a week for a month. I've gotten a month's worth of episodes out in a week's worth of time. And I'm just trying to make sure I get all of these fucking episodes out here before it's March. Uh, which we're, liter we're literally <laughs> on the wire <laughs> with with uh, the episodes so uh yeah you, 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 fucking shit is busy man 
I, I just took on a new job. I, like, life is crazy. Um, but I, I definitely, uh, of the films that um, I wanted to talk about this month, this one was definitely on the top of the list. Uh, there will be one that, you know, we don't cover in the month, um, which is Don't Answer the Phone. I might throw that in next month just for shits and gigs. Um, but who's to say? Who's to fucking say? But we're doing this one now. We're doing Motel Hell, which is roughly a uh, an appropriation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And if I'm going to talk to anybody <laughs> about an appropriation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I can only talk to a person that wants to talk and tell that Davis said. And and that, of course, is the the wonderful and opinionated Miss Sarah Jarvis from the Horror Haven podcast. How you doing? Howdy, I'm great. <laughs> Are you great? Tired, but I'm here. Oh, good. I'm glad that we're we're both here. Um, this has been a, a long for for a month that's so goddamn short. This has been a long fucking month. Um, you know, we both uh, have gone to a horror convention this month. Uh, just shit tons of podcasts. I. Like I said, I picked up an additional job on top of the job that I do that is not my main job. So I've got roughly three jobs, four jobs. I'm like those guys on In Living Color. Hey, man, got to go to work. Uh, that That's just, <laughs> that, that is a very old reference that I, I'm glad that you laughed at it. It, it makes my heart feel good inside. Uh, but but uh, the Headleys was the, was the name of that that sketch to uh, I know that that doesn't matter one way or the other but we're going to be talking about motel hell and the way that we're going to get this going is the way that we get all these conversations going and that's by reading a synopsis for motel hell did you find one you love I I found one that's um should I should I read the one that has a name attached to it or the one that doesn't have a name attached to it you do like to credit people who write things. I do like to credit the people that write things or critique them. Uh, you know, I, I can never, I can never tell. I think I'm going to go with the one with the name. It's a little less wordy too, so that that's at least something. Um, uh, it, and his name is Scott Lane. Scott says, Farmer Vincent kidnaps unsuspecting travelers and is burying them in his garden. Unfortunately for his victims, now... <laughs> Wait, whoa. They are not dead. He feeds them... He feeds his victims to prepare them for his roadside stand. His motto is, It takes all kinds of critters <laughs> to make <laughs> Farmer Vincent's fritters. The movie is gory, but it is also a parody of slasher movies. Like Last House on the Left. How is this a parody of Last House on the Left? I would definitely go Texas Chainsaw if I was going to say it's a parody of anything. Yeah! I don't, I don't get how Last House on the Left at all. Yeah, um... The, it's the, so obviously, like, picking fun of Texas Chainsaw, so I don't know why it went to how, Last House on the Left. And, and the fun thing about this is that uh, Toby Hooper was originally signed on to do this film. Talk about being typecasted. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> he then went on to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is essentially the same thing. It's a parody of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you really look at it, you know, it's it's a much more tongue-in-cheek kind of bizarre um, 
look into the world of the family and the the barbecue and meat you know making makes a much bigger it, it plays a much bigger part in the second film than it does in the first film. Yeah. Uh, so it almost feels like you know he really wanted to do this movie as kind of like a thumbing his nose to the hell that it was to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, you know we'll never know, but I, I just that was the impression I was getting watching this because. Uh, like I had said, you know, at the beginning of this theme, all of the films that I'm covering in this theme were first-time watches for me. I watched them specifically. You've never seen Motel Hell before? No. Okay. Well, I watched it like recently, so it was like a first-time watch for me like a few months ago. So this would be the second time that I've watched it then. And, well, and it's you know, know, it is a it's a film that I'm kind of confused that I never saw because it seems like. It checks off all of the things that I look for in a film uh, because it, it is. It's you know, it's weird. It's dark. It's funny, and you know, it's violent. And the the thing that really, to me, stands you know the test of time is the the lead actors. This was directed um, by Kevin Connor, and he had done uh, like a handful of. Uh, horror films kind of leading up to this. I think that the one that he had shown the uh, Joffrey brothers was uh, From Beyond the Grave, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, it was, you know, the that element of the film, or of um, his career, his first film, mind you, that ultimately landed in the role. They were looking, you know, after Toby Hooper and Universal kind of backed away from the film they were looking for somebody that was a young you know and hungry filmmaker to helm the project and I, I really think that you know them getting Kevin Connor was the smartest play for them because he his the script initially was much darker than what you see on the screen mm -hmm. and he had had the foresight of saying you know I would love to do this movie the only thing I would like to do is make it satirical and you know he went on to do uh, North and South which I don't know if you know what that is but it was a mini series it was really big it was about the Civil War and uh, he also did uh, the 2004 uh, television adaptation of Frankenstein you know but he, they did a television adaptation of that yeah yeah I had no clue look at that yeah and um, he's he's got an eclectic amount of films under his under his belt he's actually directed 77 films Holy um, fuck. since I believe 72 74 um, so he's a consistent worker he does a lot of like the hallmark style uh, romantic comics you know, <laughs> which which is really really funny seeing that he got it he made his bones doing these really fucked up horror films um, but I would I would go so far as to say that you know this film, while it is it is very light in terms of overall you know approach, it is still dealing with really kind of heavy um, issues. And the theme for this month was women in danger because this was one of the 
one of the films that were on the list of movies that Siskel and Ebert discussed on this wave of uh, slasher films that were misogynistic and negatively uh, looking at women's issues. And, you know, their, their mindset was that this was a reflection of the women's liberation movement and all these men who were threatened by women's lib started to paint women in poor lights and, you know, kill them in awful ways. Uh, however, Roger Ebert gave this a uh, four out of five and praised it for its satirical look at the horror genre. So it's kind of a conflicting one, which which also made this one kind of more important to me to cover on the show. Um, but, you know, the aside from the satirical look at the film, the thing that really works to me, and I don't know how you feel about it, is, is its cast, is its main cast of characters. Um, Rory Calhoun plays uh, Farmer Vincent, and... Uh, just is is the most unassuming dude. He feels very much like, uh, like uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the sense that he's he's not a threatening guy, yeah. but he's doing threatening things. But it, he's a little creepy though, like a little weird. Well, I thought that the relationship that he develops with Terry was just. It, that was that was the weirdest thing, like. I, I, well, I think that's what gave him away. Was like once he started dating her, I was like, okay, now you're being obviously creepy. Like people are gonna start catching on. Come on, man. But, but the fact that she was into it seemed like the weirdest thing. It was almost like Stockholm syndrome. I feel right because didn't didn't she like uh she was the one at the beginning of the movie who had like a boyfriend and then they killed him, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah. if you if you think about it, the guy in the beginning also looked very old. Yeah, she so might just have a thing for old had, dudes. like old dude fetish. You know what I mean? Like, like there daddy you go, issues. But, you uh, young babes. But uh, <laughs> then you also get uh, just one of, to me, one of the ultimate uh, character actors of the early '80s, uh, with Nancy Parsons, who was in all of the uh, Porky's films. That that was that was what I oh, knew. Oh yeah, yeah, best yeah. When we for. covered the Stephen like fan girl that she was in it. And, uh, you know, she is so good in this movie. Like, because, again, you know, when, when you look at the, the Porky's films, the the one thing that, you know, is kind of a... a you know, her performance, the, the continual, is that she's just playing this kind of nasty, mean-spirited person. But it's all done with the, with the point of comedy. You know, she's the butt of the jokes almost. Yeah. And and in this, you know, her being threatened by Terry is is ultimately the the motivation for you know that mean spiritedness and uh, specifically the scene where they go tubing. You know, it, it really like she's making a different movie than everybody else. I felt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where, like, you know, in in the in the film, you know, you got Farmer Vincent and Terry, who are easily doing this weird, you know, uh, January December relationship. 
<laughs> he gets from eating. And, uh, then you've got the, the sheriff, or, you know, is, is he a sheriff or is he a deputy? I think he was the, the, the I want to say he was the deputy. Because it, it's very Gomer Piley, it's very, uh, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's this, this theme that happened in the late 70s, early 80s that, uh, he's absolutely fitting the bill for, you know, where he, he feels like Enos, uh, from the Dukes of Hazard. Just, a bumbling dolt who looks at you know. Oh, I'm I'm the law. You gotta respect me. And, it always cracks uh, me up when they do that in, in horror movies where they like have like the the moments of like cop comedy. Yeah, it, and it's something that is a reoccurring theme, especially in that time. But it really mm-hmm. um, was a thing, just kind of cinematically, not just horror films. I mean, if you think about movies like Smokey and the Bandit. Like that's that was the whole fucking movie was. The I used to fucking love that like movie as a kid too. Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, there's there that is a constant that it seemed like that was just a a caricature that they always tried to bring up. Um, but I felt like that character was also very just you know unique in the sense that you know he's he's clearly in love with Terry. And he's, you know, just because she's hot. And, yeah. and she's she's a beautiful woman, you know, but he's trying to, like, take her to go see a movie. He takes her to Lover's Peak. And, and then, you know, he wants to show her how fucking authoritative he is by getting everybody out of there. And, you know, calling the drive-in and having them send him the signal of the audio for the movie. You know, like, that's, like, his, his fucking play. He's like, yeah, I'm fucking macking right now. And <laughs> she's just not feeding into it. She's like, you need to be older. Yeah, you're not a grandpa, not my type. Are your balls gray? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that was... She, she got bad taste in men. Yeah, yeah. You would think... After fucking, you know, almost marrying a serial murderer, that maybe, maybe go with the lawman. You know, yeah, right? Little, like, go with the tiny opposite guy that you're attracted to, you might be surprised. Yeah, and uh, they also, you know, have Wolfman Jack in the film, he's playing Reverend Billy, and he's doing, like, essentially a televangelist. I don't know if you know who Wolfman Jack is, but he was a radio DJ in the classic rock and roll days and, and <laughs> a very distinguishable voice if you've ever seen American Graffiti he's the voice you know in on the radio the entire time and is just as much of a character in the film as Ron Howard and in, in my opinion but uh, I really really dug the scene with him and the sheriff or deputy and he's like, is that a nasty magazine you got there? Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll dispose of that. Reads it as soon as he drives away. <laughs> but, I know. had to look him up as soon as I saw the credits and it said Wolfman Jack. I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And I yeah. looked it up and I saw that he was the guy from uh, American Graffiti. And I was like, all right. With a name like that, I know exactly who it is. Yeah, dude, he's amazing. And he is. He's he, really he, funny. He's got a good voice. He's yeah. like in the right field. <laughs> and and you know, if you're a child of, I feel the '80s and 
you know, back, you know who Wolfman Jack is the second you hear his voice. And it's it's a voice that people have tried to uh, replicate, you know, several times. And it just, like, I, I fucking dig the shit out of it. He's very iconic. You know, like, when you hear, like, any... Like, when you watch any movie that's supposed to be set in that time and there's, like, a radio, you can tell that, like, they try to mimic that style. So it's like he's created this whole idea of what you should sound like on the radio. Yeah, and, you know, this this isn't one of those films, I feel personally, that has a lot of depth. I think that the most depth is the relationships, the interpersonal relationships <laughs> with uh, with the three main characters. You know, and and I, you could even say, you know, that the dumbling dolt of uh, sheriff is also kind of in play. But it's really Ida, Vincent, and Terry, and you know, Ida's jealousy of him favoring Terry, and it's and it's not. It's not like a, a romantic thing, which I feel like on the surface it seems like that, but mm-hmm. it seems much more like, you know, mom favoring uh, a child over another child and yeah. there being this kind of sibling rivalry. And, you know, I, I know how we make the meat. Like, she tries to, like, spill the beans about it and he smacks her in the mouth. <laughs> but it's... It's just like she's she's constantly looking for his approval and you know he is just he's enamored with this girl and she knows like when he brings her into the house she sees what it is you know from jump and is you know very indifferent to it until it starts to affect her and once it starts to affect her then you know, you see her really kind of leaning into wanting to be malicious to to her, and you know that the, again it goes back to that tubing scene. But there's just this thing that she does while she's on that tube, where she's looking at her, and it's that calm quiet that really, you know, says so much more than any dialogue could say, and. I, that's honestly one of my favorite scenes in the film, and it's not because the young girl is in a white t-shirt and not wearing a bra. I promise. <laughs> I sure. promise. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the... Farming the humans is just the weirdest idea ever. They, they it's have funny, them, though. They have them lined up like rutabagas in a secret garden and it's just it's just the most random fucking thing they, they I don't understand the necessity of doing that like I feel like it's adding an extra step that doesn't need to be there yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> it's like, you know if you're just I, gonna I, smoke I, the I meat I appreciate the work you're putting into this and the effort but like work smarter and, but you know I think that the approach for that is that they want to keep them fresh until they need the meat. So they put them in this paralyzed state by burying them to the neck up. You know, when you're in dirt, you can't move. I don't know if you've ever been buried in sand 
but it's it's, that I have. it's really hard to move when you're buried in sand. They they did a uh, uh, a vignette in Creepshow. Yeah. Where, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. They where they buried that. him in the beach and let the the waves get him. Exactly, and you know it's because you can't fucking move. It's you know it's oppressive, and and then to top that off, they tear out their fucking vocal boxes. Yeah. So they they just have this weird kind of like like groan that they do, and uh, I mean it it's almost brilliant. But just so fucking random. I feel like they were like, how are we going to make this really unique? And they're like, we're going to plant the bodies. We're going to plant the people. And they're like, yeah, but what if they scream? And they're like, ah, I've already thought about that. We're going to remove the vocal cords. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like they literally went on a whim on this one and was like, this is the perfect idea. I but figured then, it out. They do the trip thing. <laughs> with, with, uh... What is it? Ivan and the Terribles? <laughs> Which, their, their fucking... Their van was the coolest thing ever. Uh, like, everything about Ivan and the Terribles I enjoyed. And um, then when they do the, the trip, and, you know, he's just like, this is gonna be the craziest trip you've ever been on. And he's just got these lights and like, <laughs> like... It, this is a really fun fucking movie, so... It is. Uh, did you have anything else, any th other thoughts about this that you wanted to give, or do you want to just go to Reapers? The, okay, wait. I'll say I'll say a couple things before we go to Reapers. I think that this movie is funny. Like, I, I think it stands better as a comedy than a horror for mm -hmm. me. I also think that the storylines were a little confusing because it was like, is it a horror movie? Are they... Or they have this weird issue with a love triangle, like, what's going on? Does she know that her boyfriend was killed by this dude? Like, what's going on, you know? I feel like they focused on really weird things in this movie for it to be a horror movie. and I, But I think that it is fun to watch. Um, and I think it's it's very strange. So you should, I think everybody should watch Motel at some point. Mm -hmm. It's just not exactly what I was expecting because I feel like it was like um, like a cult film. Like everybody has seen Motel Hell, and when I watched when I like I watched it when I was way younger, but mm -hmm. I didn't remember much from it except for the battling pig heads at the end. Yeah, the chainsaw and I was, fight. I was like thinking that that was going to be like a much bigger part of the movie, and it wasn't like at all. And, and I was kind of bummed out that it wasn't scarier, but it was so fun that you kind of, it's forgiven. Yeah, and it also, going back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I think it's really interesting that they also did a chainsaw fight at the end of yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. They did. So there's there's a lot of elements of uh, Motel Hell and Chainsaw Massacre 2. So oh yeah, almost... they, I mean, they line up. I think on a personal level, I think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for me was more successful just that it, I think it was easier to follow because it was like one storyline mm. and they had like romance thrown in there kind of yeah but same difference I think this movie was much funnier than which is bad because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is funny on its own but this was I think was was more enjoyable for for haha's yeah and uh, where I I see these both both this and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 
kind of on the same level as far as the overall approach. Mm-hmm. I would say of the two, you know, I I edge it out to Chainsaw Two just just for you know the psychosexual relationship with Leatherface and Stretch. <laughs> that like, scene where it, when it, when he like has the chainsaw and he's like air hunting ice, with it. Yes. <laughs> it's so creepy. And you know, I. I when I did my review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, I, I and also when I interviewed Caroline Williams, those were that was something that got brought up both times, and I felt awkward both times I brought it up because it's that effective. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy and like like for a guy who has not a single line in the movie, like he like licks his lips and he's like. Oh my god, he's creepy in that. He's a creep. He's a pervert. Yeah. In that movie. So I, I think Reaper wise with this one, I'm gonna come in 3.8. I, I think that that's a fair rating. Personally, um, it's a really entertaining film. Uh, it, it's more of a comedy than a horror film, but that's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just felt like there were certain points where. It was almost like, okay, we gotta fill for time rather than, you know, really getting to the meat and potatoes of what you're trying to say. And the stuff that they did for filler didn't necessarily harm the film because it was all entertaining stuff. Like the, uh, the two young ladies that were stopped by the cow standees, like that works. And it also, you know, it evolves into, you know, seeing this thing that they've done for a very long time kind of collapse because of the addition of one element. You know, uh, it's almost like a, like a system can run perfectly, but if you, if you just kind of slightly tweak it in some way, you know, it doesn't run correctly. You know, you can, like, maybe somebody leaves a screwdriver in the car and it tears the fan belt up and, you know, the car stops running. It's something like that, where it's just that that one shift of the element and everything, this perfect system that they've had, they've been doing clearly for years and years and years. Like, uh, the sheriff checks the lake, finds hundreds of cars in the lake, he says. It's like, <laughs> how did you do that? How did you find hundreds of cars in the lake? Did you get on scuba gear and go underwater and look for them? Uh, like, how did you do that? How, Maybe how it's just that... a really shallow lake, Larry. Uh, I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's murky as fuck, so you would still need to go under the water to see them. Just, you know, but those things, they're, they're, you know, unimportant necessarily. The overall picture is great, but it's it's not a perfect film, so three points. Where are you landing? I'm actually really close with you. I'm going to come in with a 3.5, and uh, I'm going to agree with you. I think that the movie's fun as hell to watch. Like, it's super enjoyable. It's just not necessarily scary, but they own it. They're not like, oh, we're a horror movie, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh, you're one of those horror movies. They're like, no, we're we're a comedy. Yeah. (laughs) We're funny, you know? So if they're going to come out and be upfront with it, like, I can appreciate that. And I feel like it's, like, very obvious very obviously an early 80s movie because of the comedy and horror mixture. I feel like that became so big in the 80s. Yeah. So I think, like, it was, like, it was, like, the beginning of the 80s comedy slashers 
But and, yeah, no, I think yeah, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, movies like Student Bodies and Saturday the 14th and uh, Transylvania <laughs> 6500. Absolutely, this is a wave of a, a subgenre within the genre. And it's a genre that I enjoy. Um, it, it just needs to be done correctly and it needs to be aware of what it was. And mm. this film absolutely felt aware of what it is. It's, you know, it's satirical exact, without, yeah. you know, really losing any of the punch. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's as good as we're going to get with this. Uh, plugs, me, lady. Do, do you know your plugs for your site? I know Erica. I don't know. Am I Erica? No, I got this. Erica fucks it up every time. She's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's right, Erica. I'm fucking calling you out. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Horror Haven Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast. And I think we have a Twitter, too, that Dylan runs. It's Horror at. underscore Haven. Horror underscore Haven. Look at that. Yep. Larry knows. <laughs> I don't touch the fucking Twitter. I'm not allowed to touch anything. Because I don't spell check. You're so fucking shitty about Erica that you screwed it up, too. That's amazing. That's hey, amazing. Hey, I got two out of three. That's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah, bravado. Like, you Google it, it'll pop up, but it's a weird name right now because I ain't paying for shit. Makes total sense. Yeah. Um, if you guys have gotten this far, you've enjoyed the episode, you're here just because of Sierra, which I do not blame you. But you want to find out more about us and our show, you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can start by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CreaturePod, by following us on Twitter and Instagram at CreaturePod. You can find our show on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Go back, listen to the old episodes. I just dropped an episode with Mark Scheffler from Last House on the Left. Really fun fucking interview. I, I strongly recommend it. Um... And listen to the other shit on our website. And it's not shit. It's, you know, it's just that's the way I say stuff. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't take things so literal. And if you guys want to purchase a t-shirt or, like, a coffee mug that says Creature Features on it, I can get Creature Features coffee mugs? Yeah. Fuck, Larry! I'm a coffee addict, dude! What are you doing? Geeksintheindustry.spreadshirt.com you can get yourself a uh, fucking Creature Features coffee mug. I'm going to get myself a Creature Features coffee mug, and I'm going to send you a picture of me every fucking morning. And I will post every single it. one of them on our Instagram page. I'm always going to have like a really catchy thing to say about you, though. Yeah. <laughs> Drink like every, with someone Every you time trust. I send it, it'll be like, <laughs> the best part of waking up is Larry in your cup. Stuff like that. So uh, it'll be really fun. You, you might want to ref rephrase that one <laughs> we'll work on it it's not a perfect formula I, I, I want to workshop that one <laughs> what wow oh boy but that is going to do it for us you guys <laughs> this has been Creature Features Podcast All right, uh, we, we may or may not come back with don't answer the phone but I will tell you for a fact um, that because next shit tomorrow is march uh the theme for march is the theme that we did last year and that is march madness and we will be coming in strong with our very first feature of march madness and it is called the psychopath and uh i'm really excited to talk about that one 
go out of your way to watch it. It is a British giallo, which I didn't even know existed. Um, fucking interesting. Definitely give it a, ta- a day in court. You can find it on Am- Amazon Prime, iTunes. You can also, if you're a cheapskate, find it on YouTube. I'm not going to judge you if that's what you do. I'm just pointing it out there. I'm just going to put it right here. If you guys pick it up, you know, that's your fucking option. I happen to notice it's on YouTube. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying it's there. I'm not going to judge you. Definitely go pay for it. You hint, should, hint, you should totally pay for it. <laughs> but, but watch it because next week, and this will literally be next week. It's not going to be this week. We are going to spoil the fuck out of it. Um, so get it in your life. Come back next week. Listen to us talk about Psychopath. We may be talking about Don't Answer the Phone, so watch that one as well. Also on YouTube. Um, (laughs) Hint, hint, wink, wink. But that's going to do it for us. So for Sira and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. By the way, before we get out of here, I infinitely prefer Sira to Sarah. Sarah's very boring. Sira's pretty awesome. Uh, Thank you. Not for nothing. Uh, so, for Sarah Jarvis, and for myself, again, my name is Chunky, this has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast. Listen, someone you trust. And I still can't believe just what I see Your face is like the morning sunshine As it says, it's welcome out to me I was so blinded by your beauty That I didn't think to How when you said you want to serve me That it might just lead to my demise You're eating out my heart and soul, babe You're feasting on my better side Whoever thought you'd be this way What does the good book say? I know. Do unto others as ye would have others do unto ye. Right? Right. And no animal should ever suffer any unnecessary pain.
boys could get behind this. Now, as you check out the swirling colors, notice how your heads become more and more mellow. Each word I say will take you farther and farther into a radical hypno-high. Heavier, but smoother than any trip you've ever had. You boys know about astral projection? All right now, by the time I count to 10, we're going to project you beyond Mars. We're going to send you to a place where people are so far out, they have wings. All right, here we go. 10, nine, eight, Co-pilot Ida, put the space belts on our passengers. Aye, aye, Captain Vincent. Space belts in place, Captain. Seven, six, five. Go pilot Ida. Secure the hatches and prepare for takeoff. Aye, aye. Four, three. Ready for takeoff. Two, one. Takeoff. <laughs> 